And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Sean Rittenauer, and he is professor of economics at Grove City College. Dr. Rittenauer, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Oh, it's always a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you very much for asking me. I was looking online just to refresh my memory a little bit about you, and um, you've got your Ph.D. from Auburn University, and your areas of research include history of economic thought, cultural economics, economic expansion and development, economic policy. And when I continue reading about you, I find out you've written a book. And um, how long have you been uh, teaching there at Grove City College? Uh, I'm in my 20th year. It's hard wow. to believe. But yeah, yeah I came, came in the fall of 2001 and I have uh, really enjoyed it. Well, that's wonderful, and um, I, I want to state the obvious, but just so our listeners know, you're a, you're a devout believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and why don't you tell us yourself, um, how did you come to faith in the Lord? Uh, well, um, I heard the gospel at a very young age. Uh, my uh, parents were uh, faithful members of the Methodist Church in town. And um, I was baptized in that church, and um, I, you know, I, it's hard to. to get, the older you get, the harder it is to pinpoint times it's, it's and true. dates. But um, I do remember hearing uh, the gospel probably when I was around four, hmm. and very comforted by the idea that um, if we if we trust Jesus, we don't have to fear death, and. Um, you know, I don't know at that time if I had saving faith, but over over the course of my growing up years in the church, um, you know, the Lord brought me along at, at different points where I seemed to grow in faith in the midst of struggles and, you know, trials and tribulations and that kind of thing. We uh, had a, a broad ecclesiastical history. Um, uh, we became less enchanted with the church we were in. Um, I spent some time in uh, fundamentalism, which uh, the Lord actually used that time to really impress upon me the fact that the Scriptures, uh, the Bible is God's Word, and if I'm going to profess faith in Christ, I need to be fully committed to Him. And that was um, probably when I was 15 or 16. And then um, I was in graduate school. Uh, we were uh, members of a uh, Southern Baptist church. And I was in graduate school at Auburn, and I became acquainted with um, the writings, the person in the writings of J. Gressa Machen. Oh, yes. And that uh, sent me, uh, I'm short, I'm, I'm truncating things here, but that sent me on a path towards uh, really embracing um uh, reformed Presbyterian uh, Christianity and um, became uh, more firmly convinced uh, that uh, that's what the scriptures taught, that um, the uh, the doctrines um, expressed in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Shorter and Larger Catechism is indeed the biblical uh, faith. And so um, when I moved to, to Grove City, I was very excited because it was the um, the first time that I was able to actually uh, visit 
um, an Orthodox Presbyterian church, which is uh, the church that um, Machen helped, um, the denomination Machen helped uh, found after he was um, ushered out of uh, his his previous denomination. And um, it's been great. I, I um, I've been we've been we've been really thrilled and um, blessed to. Uh, be able to grow in uh, grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ um, under sound preaching in in the midst of good worship. Yeah, it's a very interesting path how the Lord leads us. Um, my own was a little bit similar, um, but anyway, we'll get to that another day. Today we're talking with Professor Dr. Sean Rittenauer, Professor of Economics, Grove City College, and. Uh, I'm not really strong in economics, but I do have some strong opinions. <laughs> um, Dr. Rittenauer, how would you describe the United States right now? Um, there's a lot of emphasis from some corners of our society trying to push us towards uh, a socialism. And um, to be frank, that scares the living daylights out of me because I see what's happened in every single instance of socialism in the world, and I just don't want to see our own people go through that. So can you describe where you see us right now in America, um, economically? Yeah, I. Um, it's easy to be seen as the, the voice of doom and gloom, and, um, and that goes contrary to, you know, sort of this Native American optimism, but uh, I do think that we are uh, economically in a in a in a very precarious uh, situation. Um, the current administration uh, has inherited a significant problem that uh, continued uh, during the previous administration. Um, a massive amounts of debt was was you know accumulated. I mean trillions of dollars in uh, the course of three four years at an unprecedented rate, um, and. It was funded in large part by massive monetary inflation uh, by the Federal Reserve. Um, since uh, September of 2019, the Federal Reserve increased uh, its reserve credit, which means the amount of debt it took on by injecting money directly into the commercial banking system. It increased its Federal Reserve debt by 98%, almost doubling the amount of reserves out there or money out there uh, in you know less than two years, which again is is like an unprecedented yeah. uh, event. And um, so far, right? So far, uh, these uh, all this cash, most of it has been well, a good number of it. Uh, 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 I don't know. I wouldn't say most. I'm, I should know the numbers, but I don't know the exact you know, breakdown, but a, a large, large portion of it directly went to fund, um, you know, the stimulus checks that were being sent out because of the, for the COVID uh, shutdown. And, um, you know, so far, uh, there has not been, uh, we haven't seen massive price inflation, but, but when, you know, if, if people uh, and businesses and banks begin to spend uh, this new money that was created, um, at a quote-unquote more normal pace, then um, things could get pretty, pretty uh, nasty, pretty fast. I mean, we could have significant price inflation, harking back to uh, the 70s, perhaps. And 
And on top of that, on top of that, um, we we know that the current administration has no real interest in pushing us back towards a freer market that allows for entrepreneurs and others to most flexibly deal with economic changes. So um, you're right. Uh, a lot of people behind the you know, supporters of uh, our current president and, and including the vice president has explicitly stated they want to move in a more socialist direction. They're not interested anymore only in, in equality of opportunity or people being equal um, in front of the law. They want equal outcomes, something they call yeah. equity. And, and the only way to do that is to take resources and money from people that are more productive and give it to people that are less productive. Um, that's the only way to do that. And so uh, you're exactly right. When you talk about if 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 we would go full-blown socialism or even, you know, well, the closer we get to socialism, the worse it gets. The only way to do that is we have to force people to do things that they're not going to do voluntarily. In other words, that we have to force people to produce goods that they wouldn't produce voluntarily. We would have to force people to spend their money in ways that they wouldn't spend it voluntarily. Uh, you have to force businesses to produce their goods in certain ways that they wouldn't it's different than the way that they would produce it voluntarily. And all of that, like it or not, requires government force, which is always backed up in stark terms, backed up by violence. Yes, it's true. Uh, yes. I know uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, Yuri Maltsev, who was a uh, former Soviet economist that uh, before he defected to the United States, right towards the end of the Gorbachev era, uh, the G Gorbachev regime. And he told the story, someone asked him, well, what... How is it that the Soviet Union really fully broke down? What was the final cause? And he said, to put it succinctly, he said they ran out of bullets. Uh. And in other words, they got to the point where the military simply would no longer shoot or threaten everybody that they would have to to put sort of perestroika back into the box. Mm -hmm. and, and so the only way you can, quote unquote, control the economy uh, is through force. And people don't want to recognize that and say, oh, that's going too far. But that is the reality. Now, oh, yeah. You know, pe people think it's going, you know, that that's heated rhetoric because they don't have to resort to that very often. But when push comes to shove, they will. And uh, all that does is it keeps workers from being able to find the employment that they agreed uh, to find and that they're eager to voluntarily um, engage in. It keeps entrepreneurs from being able to most ably and quickly and efficiently serve other people. Um, it reduces the amount of saving and investment in capital formation and productive uses of our resources. And it, in, in the long run, it leaves us all relatively impoverished. And, it, and, and the, the, the really, I don't know, frightening, I don't know if you want to call it frightening, but the, the most concerning thing is once you get these different regulations and interventions in place, you create political constituencies, and then it becomes harder to undo the uh, the damage. Yes. I'm uh, also concerned about just the availability of food. I mean, right now it doesn't seem like a threat, but to me it's a big threat. Um, I'm seeing, maybe you're seeing too, where socialists uh, are buying up farmland and so that they can not only control now the health care system, but the food source. And when I see that, that's a, that's a very 
big concern. Smaller people like me, <laughs> um, our family has a garden, and I see quite a few people wanting to do a garden nowadays, and I think that's very healthy. Today we're talking with Dr. Sean Rittenauer. He's an economics professor at Grove City College. I was also looking on your website, Dr. Rittenauer, and you have selected publications. What does that mean? Uh, selected publications would be, um, I think you're referring to the different articles and publications that I have, you know, had have been blessed to have published over the course of the, okay. you know, course of my career. Well, it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting titles. Uh, the Mises Reader Unabridged, uh, Foundations of Economics, A Christian View. Uh, take a moment and just describe that. That's a book, right? Yeah, that was a book that um, has been out now for over ten years. It's hard to believe, but um, I was I was asked uh, to write a a book uh, that ba- explains the basics of economic principles um, from a fr- from a perspective. Uh, you know, basically, it makes it relevant for real human beings who really act in the real economy that understands how markets actually work. And also from a Christian perspective, to try to put it in a in a Christian philosophical framework. And so that's that's what I did. I I had been thinking along these lines pretty much my whole academic life, even back when I was in graduate school. It was important. Well, actually, when I was an undergraduate, it was important for me to be able to to comfortably say uh, there's no there's no conflict between sound economics and the Christian faith. That's right. Um, you know, some people think that well, there, you know, there's something kind of uh, tawdry or worldly about economics because it's it's about money and things and consumerism and that kind of thing. And and in reality, economics is about how people interact to make their lives better. Yeah. Um, and specifically through exchange, through through the production and exchange of economic goods. So. For me as a student, I remember one of the things that I always wanted to know more about at every level is, okay, why? Why is this the, why is this the case? Why, why do prices form? Why is supply and demand the way it is? What's the basis for supply and demand? Where does this come from? And you, you walk it back far enough, you find out that, well, all of economic law is a part of the created order because it's a manifestation of our behavior as actors, people who engage in purposeful behavior. And we do this because that's the way we're made by our Creator. That's the Mm -hmm. way the Lord made us. So it's not, you know, economics isn't just, you know, ideology. Uh, Economics isn't just uh, the opinions of uh, men and women. Economics is the study of part of the created order, and so that was very that was very important for me. So I had this idea that okay, this is something I can hang my hat on. This is real. We're not wasting. I'm not wasting my time studying it. And I wanted to write a book that helps do the same thing for Christian students primarily, but anybody in general. They can see that the truths of economics come out of our understanding of creation. They're not in contrary to, and so. I've sort of put economics in that framework, and then on the basis of our understanding of the implications of human action, I develop, you know, the the, the principles of economics, such as the law of supply, the law of demand, um, talk about how prices form, talk about the benefits of exchange, talk about how people uh, and producers 
produce goods uh, by allocating certain factors, land, labor, and capital goods to produce a product in hopes of satisfying a future demand. We talk about profits. And then we talk about, of course, towards the end of the book, what happens when the government tries to intervene through yes. things like price controls and subsidies and taxation and monetary inflation and all that. And then I do have a whole chapter devoted to the economics of socialism. Well, it looks like a really good textbook. And the, again, the title is Foundations of Economics, A Christian View. Um, some of the other selected publications caught my eye as well. And the, the very theme of subsidies, uh, you, you've written quite a bit about arts subsidies, subsidies uh, kill symphonies, all of that. Yeah. And, and that reminded me of a fact, and that is... I believe the college at which you teach, Grove City, is not beholden to government handouts. Did I get that right? Yeah, that, that is correct. Um, for a, many decades ago now, um, the trustees at the college determined that the, the best and perhaps indeed only way to maintain their independence uh, from the uh, control of the state as best they could is to not take any um, government funding and not to receive any Pell Grant money, for instance, for yes. the students. And uh, they did that. And then um, there was some question about uh, if they allow their students to participate in the government-subsidized uh, loan uh, programs, would that also uh, bring them under government control? Mm -hmm. And the indications from Congress at the time was that, well, yeah, that is, it looks like that they're going to be pushing. Uh, uh, so, I mean, and, you know, when that, wherever the government spends money or subsidizes uh, folks, um, the, the strings come with it. The government control comes with it. And so um, it's been, again, it's been over a decade now that the government, or that the college, I should say, um, opted out of even the government loan program and worked with uh, a private uh, bank to um, basically maintain uh, a separate private uh, lending program for our students so that we are um, we're detached from the government funding apparatus um, altogether. Well, I think that that is one of the factors that sets apart a great deal Grove City from other institutions, and my hat is off. I mean, this is a this is a fantastic thing to do if you have a commitment to truth, if you have a commitment to not being brainwashed, not being uh, forced to mouth things that you don't really believe, but you do it because of money. Um, that's that that seems like it protects the essence of what a college is supposed to be. So, I, I just love the concept. I know it's tough. And you may have to charge a little bit more for your courses, but it's well worth it because you get the truth. So I, I love the model. Well, yeah, thank you for that. Um, actually, we, we the college, you know, understands the uh, the, the trade offs and they understand the challenges. So the college actually works very hard, even in the midst of turning away from government funding, to keep uh, tuition down at a, at a at a very reasonable competitive rate. So it's. It's not like you have. It's not like you have to. Um, it's not significantly higher than you that you would think. I mean, we ah. we work hard um, to to maintain. You know, keep costs down to keep um, the uh, what should one say the the bureaucratic bloat to a minimum. 
Um, but it is, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. That sure. is true. Now, uh, I can't believe how time flies by. We've got maybe five minutes left now. And um, my wife, again, suggested that we, we ask you, um, what should people be doing right now in light of um, this heavy-handed uh, government control that that's coming on us like like a wave, like a huge tsunami. Um, what can the Joe, common Joe, the, the the guy on the ground, he may not know economics too well the way you do, but what's some simple steps that he should take to, I don't know, protect his wealth, to 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 brace himself for what's coming? Oh goodness! Um, well, if 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 you find out what that is, let me know. Uh, uh, economics is good for explaining uh, economic phenomena. It's not always good for predicting closely yes. what's going to happen. But I will say this. I mean, you can look at it at two levels. Obviously, the most important thing is to be faithful uh, to the Lord in the midst of all of this and to pray and and to and to and then as we go a little bit, say, lower uh, – just just be productive. Um, the, the, the way to uh, gain income and build wealth is to pr- be productive, be able to provide productive services to other people or to provide goods that other people want. Um, and, uh, you know, all the interventions make it more difficult. But uh, think about how what can you do to be more productive. And then, number one, is live within your means. Mm. Um, when, when economic trials come... The, um, the 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 people that are hurt the most are the people that are in debt, um, unless of course you're you owe lots of debt to someone and you're a friend of the government, then you can get a bailout. But for normal people like yes. you and me, um, uh, avoid you know don't get caught up in something that's going to cause you to 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 go into debt, into debt heavily because I mean. You don't know the timing, of course, is crucial, and and you know we may continue how we are, seemingly you know reasonably okay for a while. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 massive amounts of debt I mentioned, and particularly the massive amount of inflation, though that that the inflation chickens are going to come home to roost sooner or later, and um, it's not going to be an easy fix. I mean, the Federal Reserve has already driven interest rates down to practically nothing. They can't drive the interest rates down much farther than that. No. And so um, when when the reckoning comes, and it always comes sometime in some way, um, it's going to be somewhat bracing. And you don't want, you don't want at that time to have a, a, a large uh, debt burden that you have to service because that makes it very, very difficult. So um, the, the number one... Uh, one of the wisest choices that my wife and I ever made was when we, we, well, thankfully, the first offer on a house that we made was not accepted because it was very low from the seller's perspective. But when I went back and actually looked at the numbers uh, and more soberly, I realized that we had no business offering that amount of money for us for the house. And if it would have been accepted... It would have been very, very stressful. We would have we would have been essentially married to the house and, and instead of each other. Yes. And um, the, the, so the, the when we sort of took a step back, and I was um, I, I 
I was um, doing some reading uh, from Larry Burkett, the late Larry Burkett, and um, that was very helpful for me and very influential and helped me get get the budgeting, um, the different areas uh, in our budget sort of more uh, in line with one another. And we realized, okay, actually this is, amount, this is the amount of money we can spend on a house. And we then kept that, you know, uh, we budgeted very well, kept that under control. And I found for our family, if you get that in control, pretty much the rest of the budget sorts itself out. But if you spend too much money on a house and have a too high a mortgage, you can't really, it's hard to nickel and dime, you, in terms of savings, it's hard to nickel and dime savings because the house is such a huge item. So getting, getting, you know, making sure that you are living within your means with respect to housing purchases and, and I would say even automobiles is also very important. If you do that, you're going to be in a much better position to weather whatever comes your way. Oh, that's beautiful. And, uh, Beautiful advice. Yeah. Um, today, our, our guest has been Dr. Sean Rittenauer, professor of economics, Grove City College. Dr. Rittenauer, uh, what is the web address for the college, uh, please, as we leave here? Yeah, it's uh, gcc.edu. gcc.edu. That's very simple. Dr. Rittenauer, God bless you, my dear friend, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Kindle.